In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos scouting report. My name is Ben Grant, and I'm joined this week by the play-by-play voice for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the host of Sports Cage on CKRM. It's Derek Taylor. DT, thanks so much for joining me this week. How are you doing? Uh, good. I'm excited to talk to you because this this is going to be a pivotal game for the Riders against the Argos in a, in a couple of ways. So I'm excited to get in all the talk about it I can, honestly. It's, it's something where I, I see I felt really good about both of these teams. Back in the spring, I actually predicted an Argos Riders Grey Cup. And after oh, week wow. three, I looked like a genius. But over the last two weeks, there's been you know, some question marks, a few hiccups on, on, on both sides. But, uh, you know, what, what's going on with the Riders? Is this, is this the team that, you know, came out like gangbusters first week of the season? Or was, has something happened these last few weeks? Willie Jefferson, in advance of the Labor Day game, said this, and it didn't go over well in Rider Nation. It was, they haven't beat anybody. And when you take a step back and look at it, and I'm not the best for taking a step back and looking at it because I, I love the Riders, so it gets a little tougher for me. But when you look back at it, well, BC had that Nathan Rourke, Michael Riley week one thing. So there's a lot of Nathan Rourke. And they got on that one because the kicker Yamasaki missed three different kicks. And he went, okay. Ooh, okay, relief. But we just went, oh, they won. They're one and oh, boom, let's go. Two, they run rough shot over Hamilton. Hamilton was really banged up and it was very noticeable. Three, they had exactly one touchdown against the Ottawa Red Blacks, a team that's gone on to ship 50 and 45 in in back-to-back games and you go okay well they're three and oh but when you looked at it was it the finest three and oh in the land no right because toronto uh, pardon me winnipeg had gone through teams like toronto and you go oh okay well that's those are some real wins they had to beat hamilton in the opening week and you know other teams have had tougher schedules the argos have had a tougher schedule than the uh, than the riders so it was three and oh it's real they booked all those wins but they hadn't beaten a ton of teams and then after that, they get what looks like to me to be the best team in the league by a fair margin. They get them back to back and they get smacked twice. And you go, okay, so they're somewhere above the worst teams and somewhere below the best team. That leaves them in like the two to seven range. Where do, where do we actually put them? So honestly, to me, it's all just a continuation of the exact same thing and the exact same team and the you know similar problems week to week to week. Uh, we just haven't been exactly able to narrow in on exactly where they fit in the hierarchy of one to nine. And I think part of it's just the design of the CFL schedule with these back-to-back games that we've just had. I think this week is going to be very telling because you've suddenly got these sort of crossovers now where we can answer that question. You know, what does Toronto look like against Winnipeg? You know, some of these these teams that, you know, have, have been playing, like I, I know I know very well what Toronto looks like against Winnipeg and Hamilton because it's been four <laughs> games against those teams. So it'd be nice to kind of fill in some of these gaps. But I, I've got to imagine that, I've got to imagine there's some, you know, maybe brave faces. Like, what's the mood like uh, it, around practice this week? What's the mood like in, in Saskatchewan? And not so much in the fan base, but the players. Like, what's your read on on how they're taking these last two weeks? Oh, everything has been, we got to stay confident. We got to get back to basics. We got to focus on ourselves. The, they're rolling with, with the, the basics of, of football, right? We're focus on us and let's get back to basics. And you don't dig too much into those because they're just they're the they're the cliches and they're what you expect people to say when they go back to back games without a touchdown and, and giving up 
all those points. It's going to be different if we find out that Cody Fajardo can't play. Like he was, he practiced both days this week. He had a little more activity the second day than the first day. So there's a decent chance he plays, but what does decent mean? We don't know. If he doesn't, they're going to say, hey, we believe in Isaac Harker because he he won in that game versus Edmonton last year, and he he played in relief a couple of times, and go, go, Isaac can make some throws. But there's a reason Cody Fajardo's the starter, right? We were talking about this on the show. There's a reason guys, football people, select guys as starters and guys as backups. And to to think that they're going to be the same team if they go from Cody to Isaac, it's just not the truth, right? So... They're going to keep keep confident because they feel like, hey, we're that 3-0 and team and we're not this 0-2 team. I just need to see it play out in the field because I have no idea what the real answer is. I, I have to, like, you know, I, this is just me speculating here, but I have to believe that Cody Fajardo is going to be out there. Just the fact that he's been out on the field. I know he's been limited and, and you know, head injuries, they're, they're serious and you have to take it very seriously and everyone responds differently. But it just... Having been around the game a long time, usually when a player is out there for a, a few days, uh, there's they're they're doing everything they possibly can to to make sure they're out there. But you never know. But I, I feel like Toronto's expecting uh, him to be out there now. We don't know the answer to some of the other guys, like like Garrett Marino, Mike Adam. Are is this is this a pretty banged up Riders team right now? Oh, it really is. And none of that even includes the guys they lost in preseason, right? Uh, Mike Adam was trying to make a diving interception in the end zone uh, on a play that was ultimately called pass interference, ended up breaking his wrist. So we don't know if he's going to go on the one game or six game injured list. Coach Dickinson said today that's going to be Jeremy O'Day, the GM's decision. But he's going on one of the injured lists, so he's out for this game. Garrett Marino did his knee. He's not going to play in this game We're not 100% sure how serious it is. They haven't really said, but we know he won't play in this game. Then we wonder about Luchez Purifoy and Ed Ganey. Ganey's dealing with a toe injury, and he was limited at practice on Wednesday. And you see them sign a defensive back who they released after training camp. You wonder, oh, is that telling about the condition of at least one of your American defensive backs? What do we do as we synthesize that information? So I... My gut is, and this is not backed up by science or, or knowledge or anything, my gut is that Ganey's not going to play and they'll have to move Marshall over, move Campbell into Marshall's spot and work like that. But that Luchez Purifoy may well tough it out with uh, what he said is torn cartilage between his ribs, which sounds atrocious. And then uh, AC Leonard's still suspended for another game. So it is a really banged up, even from what we knew in week one, it's a banged up Riders defense. Yeah, sounds like it. This sounds like a pretty good time to play the Riders, I guess, if you're, (laughs) you know, if you were going to customize your own schedule. So for Argos fans that, you know, maybe haven't been paying too close attention to the Riders this year, they know the big names. Can you give us someone that on Friday night, they're going to be looking at their TV screens and they're going to be saying, who the heck is that guy? You know, bring out their phones, look up the roster. Who's going to jump out that they maybe don't know about? I'm going to give you two guys because one one has just come on recently and, and one's kind of been here all this season, but was, wasn't much of anything in 2019, but really popped in training camp this year. Uh, the first one is they're both receivers and they're both Canadian receivers. Braden Lenius, number 19. He's a guy who was a 240-pound 
kind of H-back, fullback, whatever you want to, a really big number three to the field, one of those big receivers who, you know, is supposed to hit the hit the backside end and take care of business. He cut off 26 pounds in the offseason, and the first week of camp, he was roasting defensive backs. Like, Ed Ganey's like, yeah, no, he roasted me this day. It was incredible. And Lenius has been able to really do some nice things stretching the field, in addition to his underneath stuff going horizontally. Uh, and he's in certain packages for protection as well. So Braden Lenius, number 19, is one to watch. The other one, when one of the receivers, Jordan Williams-Lambert, got injured, ended up missing a game, they went to a, a rookie in Kean Schaefer-Baker, number 89. He's He plays that X position, that short side wide receiver spot. And I don't, as I think around the league, there's no other Canadian who's playing that spot. And this past week, he led them in receptions, He's got 12 catches this season. Nine have gone for first downs. He seems really smart. Like he's got good hands. He's he seems really smart with how he plays on the field. And then we haven't really seen an expression of his beyond ridiculous athleticism because he hasn't really. We haven't had a situation where he needed to employ his 40-inch vertical apparently from the combine. So he was he was pretty exciting, and I think Ryder fans are very excited about Key and Schaefer Baker. So 19 on one side, 89 on the other. They're both 6'3", you know, strong, lanky dudes. Uh, Lenny's a little stouter throughout the the shoulders, but two guys I think that uh, that Argos fans should be watching for. Awesome. I love Keen Schaefer Baker. I was hoping the Argos were going to draft him back in 2020, but it, they, they, you know, it wasn't going to happen after that first round when, when they ended up uh, uh, taking Dejan Brissett. It was like, well, I guess that's, that's it for receivers then. But yeah, great player out of Guelph. And, and like you said, just athletically able to do anything. You throw the ball anywhere near him, not only his wingspan and his, and his speed, but yeah, that vertical is, is, uh, is something else. So if, this game at the end of the game if the argos end up on top the way that you see it what will have happened if the argos win this game you know why will that be uh and let's just let's just do this from a perspective of cody fajardo is going to play and he'll play the whole game and he's 100 percent uh they'll have been able to generate pressure which that's every football game but the riders the one position that we wondered about coming out of training camp and honestly all through training camp and all through the first five games was the offensive line because what they have because of injuries and retirements, they have essentially their third and fifth tackles from camp starting at left and right tackle. They have a rookie, essentially a rookie in Logan Furland at left guard. And you go, okay, well, if I'm a defensive coach and I happen to have, if you know any teams that wear double blue that happen to have a ton of attacking weapons within their front four, they're going to know what to do with that. They're going to see what Willie was able to do uh, from the Bombers in the, in uh, the last couple of games, what Jackson Jeffcoat was able to get and go, okay, well, well, we'll take some of that too. So they'll have been able to generate pressure on the quarterback. And honestly, the one thing Winnipeg did, and I don't know if anybody, if just everybody can do it, but Winnipeg, Fajardo gave them a lot of credit for, they would show me one thing and I would read off that one thing and I would skip certain options because I thought this was coming and they would give me something entirely different. So if they're able through any deception with it, with that back six, if they're able to just uh, give them one look and, and throw them another Fajardo may be gettable. He was gettable in that first game against Winnipeg. He, he looked much better in the second game, the banjo bowl, but it's, it's there on film now. So defensive coordinators, if, if whoever's running the defense uh, on Friday night for the Argos, 
looks at that, they go, okay, well, here's the things that we think we can do. Uh, the running game, we're, we're concerned about William Powell because he's a good running back, but they've had some problems in there as well. So let's get after this. But it, it's going to be the defense was able, the defensive line, the defensive front, however, if you got to send five, six, whatever it is, it, it's been able to get to Fajardo. I feel like offensively when I look at this game, I I, I feel like Toronto is going to be able to run. You know, I watched the last two weeks uh, the, with the Bombers and in that, that first game, especially the Bombers were able to do pretty much whatever they wanted to on the ground. It looked like a little bit less so last week, but they were still over four yards a carry. They were still moving the ball pretty well. And the Argos run game has been the strength of their offense. And they're also very good at throwing short right. But uh, the uh, other than that, the, the run game has been <laughs> awesome. And so yeah, this is something that I think is actually a pretty good matchup for them. Would you be surprised to see Toronto put up really big rushing numbers? Uh, if Micah Johnson is playing, it looks like Micah Johnson's back. I I, I would. Uh, Marino's a loss because he's in that rotation at defensive tackle, and he's a, that's a stout kid right there. I keep saying kid for twenty seven year olds, but whatever. He's a, that's a stout dude right there. So if Mike is in there, I honestly I, I might be a little surprised because they do have some athletes on the edge to take care of that. Dion Lacey in the middle. Micah Tights has a ton of tackles for them so far. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of how teams have done running with the running back through for the riders this season. And it's going to take me too long to pull this up and I won't be able to delay my speaking until actually <laughs> maybe I can, but uh, where are they right now? Number one in yards, yards before contact and number two yards per rush on design runs this season for the riders defense. So I, I would be surprised. I'm, I'm very curious to see it though, because the way John white and foster were able to gash the the bombers and then the bombers proved fairly stout against the riders i i wonder which one of those is is more the real one and which one will play out in this game yeah i'm interested to see the setup i kind of expect saskatchewan to really press tight i think they're going to bring everyone in walk everyone up you know have the the free standing back there at about 12 yards and everyone else uh you know in close than that just dare arbuckle to to go deep to go over their heads and you know i, I think there's gonna be a lot of run blitzes too I, I, yeah, I wonder about that because it's going to be it's going to be a unique back five. It's going to be a back five they've never played before because at them out, they'll have Ailey Buka at safety. When Buka came into games in 2019, he would be at that field side halfback spot and they would make rotations around him. Christian Campbell at that boundary slot, moving Nick Marshall inside is likely how that's going to go. If they have Purifoy back, that'll be great. But if they don't have Purifoy back, They'll take the Sam and move him back and move someone else to Sam. And then Blaze Brown is working with the new. It's one. Like they, they lost two guys from last last week and that caused four changes on defense. And you go, that that can't be that can't be profitable in the long term. So I, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how much they're going to they would risk, you know, press coverage and getting up tight and, and just leaving a safety by himself. I feel like they're going to have to take caution. Let's say that. So my last question for you is, if the Riders uh, do get out of this one with a win, what will have happened in that case? So Riders win, Argos lose, why? They'll have been able to hit the big play. Like they first few games, they weren't able to get much going through the running back running game. It, it turned around and, and Powell got some, some better carries. It didn't ultimately mean much in a banjo bowl, but they were able to move the ball a little better on the ground. The, the thing that they haven't been able to do consistently is, is get deep balls. Fajardo was the top rated deep passer in the league in 2019. And going into last week's game, his passer rating was 10 on deep balls, which 
not great. Not great when the scale goes to 158.3, right? It's it, it was pretty rough. And he hit some in this one, but then he uh, he got whacked on one and threw an interception to Adam Big Hill. So it's it's been it's been rough going for deep balls for the Riders this this season. They have guys who can get open. We we hope in Schaefer Baker and Lenius and Kyron Moore and such. But they'll have been able to make the big plays. And heavens to Murgatroyd, they'll have been able to get touchdowns. Zero touchdowns in eight quarters against the Bombers, and then they had one touchdown against Ottawa in the third quarter off a pretty nice drive of 76 yards, but it's been, it's been cold since the Hamilton game on offense. So they'll have figured out a way to unlock that. Just that I, I don't see a team in the Argos that's going to cooperate with a team that wants to throw the ball all over the yard. The Argos defense has been really good, but Argos fans are kind of bracing themselves a little bit because there's only so many times that Saskatchewan's going to walk out of there without a lot of touchdowns on the board. <laughs> and the Argos have a long history of former quarterbacks coming back to pull their pants down. So this is something <laughs> that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all kind of, uh, you know, bracing for. So we'll see. Derek, uh, tell the good people where they can find you and all your stuff. So uh, every day, Monday to Friday, uh, 6 to 8.30 Eastern time on 620CKRM. It's online at 620CKRM.com. The podcast as well is The Sports Cage. So wherever you get your podcasts, we do the Rider Games. So Rider Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. I do some CFL stuff for TSN Edge and uh, we're killing it as the prop masters. My goodness, uh, Marshall Ferguson and I do a podcast every Wednesday on Canadian football perspective called The Breakdown. And we really nerded up. And this week we took a flamethrower to Dominic Davis because it seemed like the time to do that. Uh, anywhere there's CFL football to be talked about, you can find me there. All your stuff is great. And I, I love The Breakdown. That's one of my favorite things to, to listen to. I look forward to Wednesdays and, and, and taking that in because it's just such good analysis. And you and Marshall do such a good job from charting to you know just finding finding trends and numbers that, that wouldn't have occurred to me. And it's stuff that doesn't jump out to me either that I don't even see happening in the game. I'm like, really? Is that, is that really what went on here? So that's one that I love. Derek, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me this week. Uh, it's been awesome. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate you having me. That's just about going to do it for us on the X's and Argos scouting report for this week. For Derek Taylor, my name is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.